In this week's episode, I am chatting with Adrian Barton from The Art of Blended Chaos. We are talking about all things step families or blended families. Adrian shares her story of becoming a blended family and the challenges that she encountered, as well as the things that she has learned along the way and how she became a certified step family coach. She has an incredible perspective about navigating transitions and establishing new traditions. And as we're heading into the holiday season, those traditions can be one of the places where challenges happen most. She has some great advice about making them as seamless as possible. It's really a great conversation about circumstances that can come with a lot of potential challenges and how to navigate them and build positive, productive relationships along the way. It's an awesome chat and I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Around the Campfire podcast. They say it takes a village to raise a child, but I believe it also takes a village to raise a mom. I'm your host, Jillian Benke, the founder of Mom Camp, and each episode I chat with busy moms who are doing awesome things in life and work. Join us for real conversation and community because this is your village. This is the Around the Campfire podcast. Hi, Adrian, and welcome to the Around the Campfire podcast. Hi, Jillian. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here with you and your audience. Yeah, I think we're going to have a great chat, and it's a topic we haven't discussed yet on the podcast, so I am super pumped. Can you start by introducing yourself and who you're a mom to, all the things? Yes, absolutely. So I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I'm a bonus mom, I'm a co-parent, um, I'm also a certified stand step family coach. Um, and I'm really passionate about helping other step parents, bonus parents and co-parents find joy and love in their blended family life. Again, it can be such a stressful time. So it's nice when we can have those moments of joy. Um, I have the advantage of having both the biological parent and the step parent views mm -hmm. and have lived both of those worlds for over seven years now. Uh, so it's pretty exciting to get to help others learn from what I have navigated and all of the skills and experience from it. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, we haven't talked about sort of step families, bonus families. Um, I've had single moms on, I've had married moms on, moms in partnerships, but um, I'm, I'm excited to have this conversation because I think it's a viewpoint and a challenge to some degree that families experience that we we might not be aware of so um let's dig in so you are a certified step family coach but you also described yourself as a bonus mom so explain to me that terminology i love it and i but it sort of replaces that step mom right yes it does so for me it came out of a place of wanting to look at positive solution oriented uh options versus dwelling in the negativity that can, you know, hang over us as this dark cloud as step families. Mm -hmm. So when we were blending our families, some of the conversations that we had were, well, what do our bonus children call us? How do we refer to them when we're asked in public? Oh, you have four children. Right. And my husband and I decided jointly that it was in the best interest for our family to operate as a normal family. Um, it was what was right for our kids. We don't view it as his kids or her kids or my kids or your kids. Mm -hmm. It's our children, just as if they were all biologically ours together. Right. Um, and so in those discussions, you know, step family has so many negative connotations. 
whether you want to say thank you to Disney for that or anybody right. else, but, you know, Disney meant no harm when they created those stories. However, they- No, and that lady was evil. Or several of them, yeah. it's been taken out of context today. So, mm. uh, so for me, it was, look, I'm a bonus added to these other children's lives, as mm-hmm. is my husband to my children. Um, and as is my biological children's uh, stepmom, I referred to her as a bonus mom. Mm-hmm. And I wanted her to feel that same respect. The reality is she's feeling- filling the role of mom when the kids are with her. Right. So she, to me, she should be given that respect. Um, so to take the negative out of it, we started saying bonus parent, bonus mom, bonus dad. Awesome. Um, and it just kind of stuck in our world. I love it. Now, when you say that, like everything you're saying seems so healthy and so smart, <laughs> like honestly. So what I've heard from other step family experiences is let's say, you come into a situation where one of the children is having some behavioral issues and the bonus parent doesn't want to serve as the parent or the disciplinarian or, you know, take on that role because it's not their biological child. Or there seems to be this divide where only the bio parent can do the discipline or the, you know, parenting quote unquote of their child. So is that how it works in your family? It sounds like you're just very holistic and it's, you know, you are both the parents of those kids and it sort of doesn't matter who's bio and who's bonus, but how do you handle those situations? Yeah. So for us, it is very holistic and Mm -hmm. you're right. We are both the parents in our home and we give each other the mutual respect. And if the reality is if my husband's home with our children and I'm not, and something happens, he should be able to handle that situation as he sees fit. I trust him as a human being, as a parent. I know he's not going to intentionally do anything wrong by any of our children. Um, And we work really hard to treat all of them completely equal. Now with that though, I will say that it takes a good five to seven years for step families to really integrate. That's what the data shows. Okay. Now that that changes for every family. Every family is unique and every family is different. That's the same thing for nuclear families, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes, you know, a parent and a child could butt heads, even though they're biologically, you know, from the same. Oh, 100%. (laughs) (laughs) So some of these challenges are fairly common just across parenting and family Mm -hmm. life. Um, I think they get taken out of context because people want to paint a picture that step families um, are more challenging. And right. So they make it the step child or parent that's the reason it's happening as opposed to the fact that it's just happening because of humans. Right. Yeah, exactly. And personalities. Mm -hmm. So, um, but in terms of the discipline in our house, we do handle it very much that way. Now I do have clients that I work with them and I recommend that maybe the step parent not be the disciplinary until there's a solid foundation and a relationship built. That's a, Mm. you know, that's a healthy relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, just because, you know, just if I had my own biological child that I butted heads with, it would make more sense to have the other parent step in, in times of tension and stress. Well, and that would happen in a non-step family as well. I mean, my husband and I tag team all the time because something's escalating with one parent, one child, we need to spell off. Right. I think where it gets taken out of context in step families is when there's not healthy adult relationships across Mm -hmm. all of the parents involved. That was the other question. Yeah. yeah. The other side might want to paint a picture of, oh, 
your stepmom's so evil or, oh, you know, gosh, my par- my kid's step-parent is so mean to them and treats them so different. And they mm-hmm. want to create this alienation of the child from that person because they have their own wounds that haven't healed and their own trauma that they're working right. through. Um, and that comes out in not so pretty ways sometimes. So how do you, how do you counsel people to handle that? I mean, I assume it has to do with how the partnership ended typically. Um, and if, you know, if there are, as you say, still wounds or jealousy or hurt, um, that they can't imagine the other person moving on in a way. Right. Right. Um, so how do you counsel people to sort of work through that? I mean, and some, in some cases, I mean, you're not working with the other person, so you can only counsel your client to deal with their own best reactions, right? So how do you help them? And that's exactly it. We focus them back on themselves and Mm -hmm. what is within their circle of control and not in, you know, how can you control others? How can you get others to change? But what is within your space that you can do differently or what can you work on? for yourself, that's going to help you step away from the toxicity that others are creating. Because the reality is, you know, that's one of the biggest challenges of blended families or step families is that I can only control what the rules and the discipline and the boundaries are when the children are on my time in my home. And they go to their other parents, I have to release that and let it go and say, okay, well, I want to trust that, you know, they want to be the best parents they can be and raise the best children, giving them the healthiest home and the most opportunity as human beings. Right. And I have to, ha- you have to hope choose. that's true. Yeah. Yes. I have to choose to want to trust that process. Right. Um, and that's part of it. Sometimes people don't want to trust the other side. They don't want to work on it. They don't want to heal the relationship from when it was so broken. Yeah. Um, And you really, the biggest thing is you have to just let go and know that you can't control others. You can only control how you respond and your reactions to the situations and move forward. Have you had any clients um, have situations specifically related to the pandemic and having differing opinions than the other half of the family? You know, fortunately, most of the clients that I've had the parents have been on the same page. Great. I think that what we're seeing, um, I mean, there are, there are a handful of clients where it's been more of a challenge, but those Mm -hmm. were heavily toxic relationships to begin with. Right. Um, I think those that are making attempts at making it work and co-parenting well together, I think people saw the writing on the wall that look, this is challenging time for everybody. It's a huge change for our children. It's a huge change for adults. This is a new landscape. What we knew as normal life is now a new normal. I know that's over said, but it really is. And we're creating it as we go, quite frankly. And so most are realizing that, look, none of us want to have COVID. None of us want our children to have it. So it's in our best interest to work together and have similar, you know, stay at home orders together right. and make Preventative sure that the, measures and yeah, right. It's especially because there are several clients that I have where, you know, it's not just their family that's affected because in step families, there's typically several layers. So mm. for example, you know, I have two children and I have two bonus children. Well, my two children go to another house that has two bonus or that has two other children. Right. And then they go to another house and then on the other yeah, your side, your bubble is automatically huge. Right. And so to contain that, when you're talking about the spread of illness, um, 
it's something that we navigate before COVID as step families, because if one of our children gets sick right. or one of somebody gets lice, something that spreads like wildfire, oh God. Yeah. you have to quickly contain those things. And so we're kind of already set up to navigate things, Okay, um, which I think it, you know, there are challenges with COVID that were a little bit blown out of context, um, in terms of the magnitude of it mm-hmm. and not, it's not a really a new normal for step families. That's fair. That's fair. So going back to something you said before my COVID question, um, how would you help? Like, how would you recommend families um, communicate to their kids when there are those challenging relationships where the other side isn't as uh, progressive and healthy (laughs) as, as the one that you're in and you're coaching. Um, how would you recommend they communicate to that, that to their kids? Because their kids are obviously going to one house and having one set of rules and hearing messages about their other family and then coming back and hearing different messages, different rules. Um, how, how do you help the kids navigate that? Yeah. So first, you know, it's always remember we have to put the kids first and that means we have to consider their feelings in it as well. And remember that, you know, just because bio mom and dad aren't together, that's still mom and dad to this child. Mm -hmm. Um, Then we also have to look at the age of the child. You know, are we talking about a two-year-old who doesn't have any context to understand? Are we talking about a five-year-old who still has limited context and understanding? Mm -hmm. Or are we talking about a teenager? You know, those are very drastically different ages. Um, And so I think, you know, as children get older, they're very aware um, and pick up on more than I think some people give them credit for. So um, it's, I think the younger ages, you keep the kid completely out of it. You, you don't have those conversations with them. Um, You just impress upon them the positives of what you do see at the other house or, oh, aren't you excited to go have fun? Or don't you love playing this game with the other parent? Um, And when it's at your house, you're in control and it's, Hey, these are the rules here. This is how we do things. Um, even if they don't like them and you keep that consistency because the consistency is going to win out in the end Mm -hmm. with the older children who pick up and see and hear everything, no matter how hard you try to keep Mm -hmm. it separate. Um, I think you have really honest conversations without bad mouthing anybody. Totally. So it's like, look, I understand how you feel about how it is at your other parents. Um, And I hear you and you're always welcome to vent and I'll be here to listen. Um, And this is just how we do it at our house. And it's okay that, that it's different. It's okay Okay. to be different. We don't have to do everything identically and we can still co-parent well and do things different. We can view discipline different. Those are part of the reasons that you parents probably aren't together to begin with is so different and you couldn't come together. Yeah. So Okay. Can you take me back a little bit to sort of your origin story, if you will? Um, when you first became part of a blended family, re- you weren't already a step family coach at that point, right? No. So um, not to pry too much into your personal life and only share what you're comfortable with, but were there challenges that you encountered that drove you to become a step family coach or um, what was sort of your experience that then led you down this path? Yeah. So if you rewind eight years ago, um, my life was falling apart. I was a hot mess. (laughs) Uh, You know, it, it, 
going through a separation is never easy. Um, figuring out how to then be a single parent and with young children and growing a career and doing all these things, it, it's not easy. There's so many challenges that come with it. Um, I quickly jumped into the relationship that I'm in now. I had no intention of being in a relationship um, after the separation, but we just, honestly, we met, we were neighbors. Um, our children wanted to play together. We had great conversations that we never wanted to end. And mm. one thing spiraled to another quickly. We were married within months and everybody wow. around us was telling us we were crazy, but in our guts and our hearts, it felt right to us. And yeah. it was the first time in either of our lives that it just felt right. It just, you know, we just connected. Um, and so our exes respectively became critical and suddenly co-parenting wasn't working. Mm. Um, and because there is that jealousy factor and there is that newness factor of, well, who's this new person in my child's life? And you know, you guys right. are building this family here and I'm still healing from these wounds. Or even though I have my own relationship, I don't want to see you in one. And How could you move so, on so quickly? Yeah. Right. So you add all those dynamics in, you add the personalities in, especially mm -hmm. the personalities that are no longer together because they didn't click to begin with. Right. Um, and then you add in the reality that my husband and I just both jumped in head first and went for it. And we didn't have the conversations that I would recommend to clients today, <laughs> okay. you know, the asking ourselves, you know, what is your parenting style and, you know, okay. how do you handle discipline and how are we going to blend our very different parenting styles and how we handle discipline? Okay. You know, what does that look like? How can we compromise and meet in the middle? Um, and so, you know, a few months in, you start realizing, oh, we have some crucial <laughs> conversations to have. Right. Um, and so after you do this for years, you start to realize, wow, like I've got a whole, you know, PhD in parenting and Navigating family this. Yeah. and blending. And so for me, it really came down to wanting to help others navigate it. And especially those that are new to it you know, mm -hmm. the, the ones that are just starting to blend their families, because I really feel strongly that if we were educated up front and we were having these conversations, there's so many headaches and challenges that could, you know, be avoided and not yeah. happen to begin with. Yeah, so. absolutely. That's, I love that you've sort of paid it forward, everything, all the pain you went through and all the navigation you had to do, you're now able to support people. So what would your recommendations be to people that are in those early steps? What are those conversations you didn't have that you would recommend to people starting with? I think the first few are, you know, figuring out what each other's parenting style is and looking at how those parenting styles fit well together, how they complement each other or where there's differences that you really need to dig into and say like, Hey, this doesn't work for me. Um, you know, I, there are, clients that I've counseled that one parent believes in, you know, spanking, which is mm -hmm. more extreme punishment. Um, and another parent is like, no way, Jose, that right. is not happening on my watch. Um, if that conversation doesn't happen and then those actions are taken, there can be extreme be feelings. Mm -hmm. And then you have, and then your problems spiral and they just yeah. kind of go down a, a deep rabbit hole. Um, so really honing in on the parenting styles and how each other feels about discipline and right. then figuring out how you're going to blend those and compromise and where your hard lines are as individuals. Um, yeah. Sorry, go on, uh, keep going. No, was, so, it's hugely um, important. <laughs> yeah. I think that's probably number one. Um, I would say that even for people entering into a marriage with an intent to have children, 
even if if there are no children yet, right? I think those are that's an important conversation. Well, and you know, that's been part of the fascinating part of my journey as a coach is realizing how much of these conversations really should have just applied to mm-hmm. every family, every parent. And that's mm-hmm. been an interesting discovery for me to realize that, um, well, it, you know, for step families, it, the emotions are more extreme. Mm-hmm. These aren't situations. And the behaviors are established family... too, to some degree, right? Like if you yeah. are coming into a blended family as an existing parent, you have your parenting style kind of established. Yes. So it's yeah. a different conversation. Whereas everything sunshine and roses, when you're first thinking about getting married, neither of you have kids and you're, right. you know, picturing this, like, this is the parent I'm going to be until that kid <laughs> comes home <laughs> with some really fun behavior. Right. So yeah. 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 So true. Um, some of the other areas are, you know, what are, what is your parenting schedule look like? And what Mm. does my parenting schedule look like? If there's children on both sides, then, and then do they have, you know, bonus, um, siblings at their other houses that go to other parents and what, how do all of those schedules work together? Um, and then what do those schedules look like at the holidays? Because Mm. that's a whole nother expectations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's where emotions come things- in for holidays as well, right? Like if you have your yeah. traditions and then it doesn't mesh with the other family's traditions, there must be so much compromise needed. Yes. And traditions is a big part of navigating the holidays aside from just the schedule itself. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, you start to establish those traditions when you're in your nuclear family and then you go through the separation and there can be new traditions established when you're in that single parenting phase. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you start blending families, you have to almost redo your traditions yet again and mix yeah. a little bit of all of those from all sides to create your whole new, what is our new family's traditions. Yeah. So, and there's compromise within your own family and your Mm -hmm. own relationship. And then there's compromise with the children and how they feel about everything. And then there's compromise with the exes and Mm -hmm. what's happening between the houses. So there's so many layers. Um, and then you bring in the extended set family. Well, I was just going to say, we have enough challenge with in-laws and expectations of in-laws, in-laws, and you know, like the layers that way, I can't imagine if the nuclear family was three nuclear families, do you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. And that's exactly where the challenges come in. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Now, how do you typically, um, do you have courses? Is it typically one-to-one coaching? What is your, your sort of method of working with people? So right now, my primary focus is one-to-one coaching and I do work with step parents or bonus parents co-parents and bio parents who are in a blended family situation. Um, And then I am in the process of developing courses that will be launched so that people can interact with each other and realize that we're not so different from one another and Mm -hmm. have the support of other step families. Um, And then I'm part of a collaborative group, the step family guides, And we just launched a holiday survival guide uh, to navigate so much of what we just talked about. Awesome. That, that will be so useful. I mean, that might be useful for everybody, but especially for blended families. Do you work with, um, what would you say? Sorry, I don't know if there's a percentage, but we're families, it's a blended family, but one of the bonus parents doesn't have any bio kids. And does that present different challenges? It does. So yes, I do work with them. And yes, it does present different challenges. So 
if for somebody who's only a bonus parent, but has never been a biological mm-hmm. parent, there's a different sense of understanding of parenting. There's different mm-hmm. feelings and emotions involved. Um, and a lot of times what you see is them, you know, we all struggle to find our place as we're creating and blending our families, but for somebody who's never been a biological mom or dad, it cre- creates an even more of an outsider feeling initially. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not just trying to find their place. They're trying to figure out how to be a parent and what that looks like. And yet constantly probably being told, well, you're not the parent, oh, um, yeah. you know, so it, there's a whole nother set of dynamics that come into play with that. Um, but it doesn't mean they can't make some of the most amazing parents because mm-hmm. they have so much value and life experience to bring to the table. Awesome. Um, I have four questions uh, and some of them you've kind of answered. One of them you've kind of, well, I'm interested to hear how you answer them. Um, I ask all of my, my guests, these four questions and okay. Uh, okay. So let's dig in. How do you define balance for yourself and your family or do you? Mm, balance is super important. So balance is, um, or can be a core value mm-hmm. and values are something that we focus on in my coaching mm. because discovering what your own core values are, gives you a lot of answers as to why you do or handle situations a certain way. And so I find balance to be an incredibly important one. Um, although the more I dig into values, I feel like I find all of them important because right. they really just understanding them are, Um, but I define balance for my family as, um, you know, considering each other's viewpoints and taking the best from each of them and mashing up and creating new traditions. And that's how we've Mm. handled a lot of the challenges in our family. So it's not that anybody's ever going to get the complete solution that maybe they want all of the time. Um, but it's about realizing that we all have feelings and if we come together and we talk about them openly, that we can find the best solution for all of us collectively. So we focus on balance a lot, you know, in equity for how we handle gift giving at the holidays, Mm. no child gets more than another. And we, we can't consider what our children will get at their other houses because we can't control that. So we can only find balance in what we can control. Okay. Awesome. Uh, do you make time for self-care and what does that look like for you? Yes. Self-care is so critical. Um, it took me years to figure out how important it is, <laughs> uh, just in my motherhood journey, let alone, yeah. you know, my step family journey. Uh, so for me, self-care is a good hot bubble bath, um, nice. at least once a week. Um, for me, self-care is reading a book that I want to read for myself Mm. and making the space and time for these things by actively telling my family, okay, this is me time right now. I'm going to go chill out for 15 or 30 or an hour. Um, and I will let you know when I'm ready to come out. Uh, please don't interrupt me unless there is a true emergency, unless you have a bone sticking out of an arm or you're bleeding out or calling 911, (laughs) then you can interrupt me. Right. Um, And I think, you know, just as a mom, that was really hard to do, believe it or not. It was hard to say to my family, Hey, I'm disconnecting from you. Give me a few. And I'm going to come back refreshed with my cup full, ready to serve you again. I'm going to show up better if you give me this time. Yeah. Yes. So when I started doing that, I realized the kids really respected it. My husband mm. really respected it. They, they didn't, I, it took me longer to let go of the guilt and it wasn't from them. It was my yeah. own internal guilt. 
But such a good lesson for them. Like you're modeling for them that it's okay to ask for your own time, right? It's so good. So good. I love that one. I think everybody should start practicing that immediately. It's awesome. Yes. Well, I joke with the kids that, um, you know, no kid wants to get time out. And I started <laughs> and every mom wants to, <laughs> yes, there's actually a book and it's called something like mommy needs a timeout. And that's yeah. where I got the concept. And so I started telling the kids, okay, mommy's going to go give herself a timeout so that yeah. we can resolve this without mommy losing her mind. Because well, and that's, that's what's it. going to happen. Yeah. And that actually helps reframe disciplinary timeouts as well. Right. Like it's actually giving the kid some physical space to just kind of chill out, figure out what's going on process and then come back to the situation, right? Like that's what moms need to do all the time. So I think if you do that, as opposed to, I need you to get away from me, you're in trouble, you're down at the end of the hallway or whatever, then it's more about, we all need to take a little break for a minute, time out, reset, right? Yeah. Really, really good. Okay. What is the biggest lesson you have learned as a mom? Oh my gosh. (laughs) I feel like there are so That's many a huge questions. I know. <laughs> it is a huge question. Um, you know, I think the biggest lesson for me has been patience. Mm. Uh, I have never been a patient person and I have high expectations of myself, which can make it incredibly challenging to be a mom and to parent different personalities and to allow children to be their own self. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has come out in so many different ways. And so I'm probably, I know I'm still learning patience and I'm still, you know, getting better at it each day, but I think just having the patience to know when to step away, having the patience to know it's okay to leave a conversation uncompleted and come Mm. back to it. Um, Having the patience to know that some things will take time and it won't always be the way or the path that I would want for a child to go down. Mm -hmm. Um, But sometimes those things need to happen and they need to have that journey to have that lesson so that they each have their own path, essentially. Such a good one. Thank you for that. That's awesome. All right. How can our listeners connect with you, follow you, find out more about you, hire you? All the things. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, first they can go to my website. There's more about me there. There's all the services there. So the art of blended chaos.com, no special spacing or periods or anything. Um, and then if they also want to connect and have conversations, I am on Instagram and Facebook at the art of blended chaos. Awesome. I will link to all of those in the show notes as well as your bio and everything. So people will uh, be able to reach you in all of the places. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for bringing your wisdom, your knowledge, your experience to this conversation. Uh, it, Like I said at the beginning, it's a conversation we haven't had. We haven't um, delved into the step or bonus family conversation. And I think it's such an important one for people that are going through it and to know that there are support options out there, but also for um, the non-blended family or the single parent family, these are conversations and things to think about for everybody, as we've said. So I think really important. And I really want to thank you for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been such an honor and I look forward to your listeners having key takeaways from it. They definitely will. Thanks. Thanks. 
I wanted to let you know about a little freebie that I have going on right now. December 1st to 3rd, I am running a free three-day workshop called Priority Mom. And it is all about setting priorities, sort of identifying your personal priorities. Some people call them core values. And then taking a look at your current life and how it is aligned with those priorities. And then we get into setting boundaries, how you can set healthy boundaries for yourself to make sure that you are spending your time and energy on what matters most to you and your family. It is totally free and it's running in a private Facebook group. So if you want to know more, you can go to momcamplife.com slash priority mom workshop. I hope to see you there. All right, mamas, that's it for today. For more info about this episode, you can check out the show notes at momcamplife.com slash podcast. Hang out with us on Instagram at MomCampLife. And if you love this episode, please share it with your friends. Thank you so much for tuning in and join us next time around the campfire.